You are listening to Visionaries and Leaders. Each week, we give you an insider's look into the minds of the greats. Learn what makes them tick and how they tackle the biggest challenges that brought them to the top. Here is your host, Richard Lorenzen. Today on the show, we have John Rampton. John is a serial entrepreneur and investor in Silicon Valley who's been ranked by Entrepreneur Magazine as number three of the top 50 online influencers in the world. In addition to advising many Silicon Valley tech companies, as well as being a contributor to Entrepreneur, uh, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, and TechCrunch, he's also the founder and CEO of the online invoicing and payment processing tool, Do.com. John, thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. So I wanted to ask you, if, uh, you know, in the beginning, just to tell us a little bit about your businesses and, and a little bit about your background as an entrepreneur. You know, I've been an entrepreneur ever since I was a young kid. You know, I was that little kid with, uh, I had a candy stand. I actually put it across the street from my elementary school growing up. And, you know, I'd sell candy and I actually rented a garage across the street from the elementary school I grew up. I rented it for like $15 a month, which was a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that was my first thing of earning money. And for me, it wasn't being an entrepreneur. It was, you know, a livelihood at, at whatever it was, 11 years old. You know, it was making money so I could go buy, you know, whatever I wanted to, the toys, the shoes, the whatever I wanted to. So... That was kind of my first step at entrepreneurship, and I, I kind of got addicted to it just because I really, really enjoyed the aspects, you know, of making money. So, you know, and that translated later in life to starting businesses, starting companies, you know, starting things with friends and, you know, obviously making money. Cool. That's awesome. What's your, what's your primary focus right now then? What's your big project? So my big project is Do, also known as Do.com, D-U-E.com. It's a bill payments and invoicing company. Awesome. When did you start it? You know, I started it around a little, little under two years ago. Uh, I started it, me and a buddy, you know, we were doing some online stuff and invoicing lots of people. And it's just lots of people were, we were having to pay lots of people. And it was really hard to pay people. So we just went and created a better system to help, you know, us do what we were already doing. And then that, they started liking it and using it. And it started actually turning into a legitimate business where, you know, people would use it and then other people would use it. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we started having, you know, every customer would on average refer, you know, two customers every single month to us. And it just started growing exponentially. That's great. So then what would you say, you know, growing, it, so do.com is a SaaS business. What would you say are, are the biggest obstacles that an entrepreneur faces when they're trying to launch a new SaaS company? I think the biggest obstacle is one that we don't talk about very often is nobody wants your product. Hmm. Um, most entrepreneurs just assume people want their product. You know, we built our product for us. It wasn't for anybody else. It was for us to use. And then we weren't even planning on making it a, making it a product. 
it, we built it for us. And then other people were like, oh my word, they had the same pain points, the same problems. And I find that's where the best products that I've ever built or made or purchased or been a part of in my life, the best ones are ones that started off as this is a problem that I have and then I use it and then other people just naturally start using it because they like it so much. So I think that's the biggest problem entrepreneurs have is they just go out there and say, oh, I'm going to build this product because people want it instead of being like, I'm building this product for me because mm -hmm. I want it and need it. Mm -hmm. So could you walk us through then a little bit about you know the, what the differences are between do.com and some of the other invoicing solutions that are out there just to give people a better idea of what you guys do? Yeah, I mean, it, it, invoicing is pretty general. Um, you know, when we originally started, you know, we would send invoices and we would have no clue what's going on behind the scenes. So we build an invoicing thing. That then, you know, when a person, when it hit their email account, it said, oh, it's, it, it's actually in their inbox. And when they viewed it, oh, they viewed the email, mm -hmm. sent back a little note. It's been viewed. Oh, they clicked on it. They've opened it, sent mm -hmm. back a little note to us. Oh, they've clicked on the pay button. Oh, but they didn't pay it. Um, and then we're like, okay, well, why aren't people paying it? So then we built a little, like a chat, kind of a chat bot into it that immediately, you know, if they go to exit, it says, hey, do you have a question about this invoice? Why hasn't it been paid? Like, or what questions do you have about this? And we found that, you know, we had no clue what was going on. We saw that people were clicking on it, looking at it and stuff. But then it got to a point where we weren't sure you know, what was going on after that. So we built this little bot into it that took care of it. And, you know, all of a sudden clients started communicating with the people that were sending us, that were sending the invoice to them. And we found out, oh my word, most people just have a little problem or something is a little off on the invoice. And a lot of times that, that got delayed a month or two months because, you know, we didn't follow up on it or mm -hmm. we weren't sure what was going on. But this, this bot that we built, allows us to figure that out in the next day or the same day. So that was one thing that, you know, again, that we had a problem with with other companies that we went and built that. And, and the same with payments. Oh, like a credit card doesn't match. And the person's like, I know my credit card is working. We're like, oh, well, we figured it out. Like we were just able to figure out the problems that were going on behind the scenes 10 times quicker to allow us to get paid a lot faster. We also pay a little bit quicker on a few other things. We have like easy API so you can, you know, mix it into your own billing system and that and automatically send out invoices and stuff like that. But again, it was more like a product built for us mm. that we noticed like, oh, a problem, you know, people don't do this or they have problems with an invoice. They're not going to email you back. They're going to wait for you to follow up because it's your problem that the invoice is wrong. Mm. So was there an, like an aha moment where you say you've, you built this tool for you and, and the problems that you were having to solve your problems in your business, was there an aha moment when you realized that this was really catching on with other entrepreneurs and other businesses and you realized that this was going to work and it was going to be a, a successful business on its own? Yeah, um, there was kind of an aha. I mean, it wasn't one particular moment, but I remember one day going into the office and I logged in and... Um, I hadn't really paid attention. This was probably like 
six months after we launched it. And at the time, it wasn't even do.com. It was something else because we hadn't invested time or money. But I came into the office that day, and I was like, oh, I wonder how many user registrations. Or, or actually, no. I had had our developer put in uh, an admin section. And I went in, and the first time I ever looked at it, we had 24,000 customers wow. using our product on an active basis. Whoa. And I was like, oh, my word. Are, are you kidding me? Like, that was kind of my aha once we built that admin. Because before, it was like, oh, I knew people were signing up. I knew people were using it. But I didn't realize that people were actually using it. I just thought, like, oh, it's me using it and a couple friends and stuff like that. And then I looked, and it's 24,000 active people. And I was like, oh, Whoa. we actually need to invest in this. Sure. Is there, do you think there's some kind of a secret, beyond having a, a great product, do you think that there's some kind of a secret or something that SaaS founders overlook to grow to that many users that quickly? Um, I, I think SaaS founders really need to leverage what they're good at. Mm. Um, I, uh, for example, we were really good at building a product for us, but we're also really good at online marketing. A lot of people are good at relationship building. Other people are good at sales. A lot of founders really like try and do everything. We didn't. We didn't try. We still don't do sales because we're not good at it. But we do tons of marketing and our customers like it. And we do what we're good at and don't try and push things that we're not good at and spend monies in ways that we're not good at. So I think a lot of founders miss that aspect. Hmm. And then in, in marketing in particular, do you think that so many founders, it seems like they try to do, because they look at what's working for other companies and they try to implement, you know, 40 different marketing tactics at one time versus maybe focusing yep. on one or two that they can really, that they can really scale. Do you, do you think that's an issue a lot of SaaS founders face? Oh, yes. I think, uh, you know, we're all hearing, I, th I think we're sometimes like squirrels. We're just mm. chasing the next nut. Mm. And, and um, you know, we have a hold of one nut and we let go of it with one hand to reach another nut and sometimes that nut's not there. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I would say leverage one, nail it and scale it. And once you've scaled that one marketing method, then move on to the next marketing method. And if that mm. doesn't nail it, then move on to the next one and then find one that works and then scale it and then move on. Because mm. you can't be good at 50 things at one time. You can be amazing at one thing, good at another and okay at another. Mm. But make sure you've scaled it, nailed it, and scaled it first. Good advice. So what, what's the long-term goal then for do.com? Where, do, where do you see that company going? And do you think this is going to be, you know, is this the big company that you want to be your legacy as an entrepreneur? I mean, I, I think it's one of them. I, I don't think, you know, uh, when I think of my legacy, I think of helping millions of entrepreneurs and leaders across America, and I, I feel we're doing a part of that. Do I know if it's the my thing that I'm known for in the entire world? You know, in my last company that I sold for a you know, pretty decent amount of money, I thought that was the thing. And then I started something else, and I realized, oh, that wasn't the thing. That wasn't what I'm known for. Mm. And, you know, I feel like you continually, as an entrepreneur, you should be striving for more and more. Even if you have a multi-million dollar company, and you sell it, and you exit the next one, go for something a little bit bigger or mm. more, or helping out other people. So our, our long-term strategy for it, just build it, grow it as big as it can be, 
um, you know, just take it as much as we can, help out as many people with the problems that we had, and, uh, you know, eventually market it and productize it in better ways for more people so that, you know, more business owners can use it. Hmm. You mentioned uh, another big exit that you've had in the past. Is there anything that you can share about what that experience was like selling that company, what kind of company it was? Yeah, uh, it was a it was a company we helped people um, sell their homes online. So we helped small business owners, you know, come take photos, pictures of their house, and then sell it online. Um, you know that that we uh, we noticed a need. I was actually working at kind of a competitor. We were helping real estate agents sell their homes online, and every single day we would turn around turn away, you know, 10, 20, 30 homeowners that were trying to do the exact same thing. We just didn't service that business. So I went and created a product for them. And it turned out to be very, very successful because there was all these people helping real estate agents, but nobody helping out actual homeowners. So for me, it was, I'm helping out a lot of people. I saw the need. I saw that there were tons of people that wanted that and needed that. And I was already positioned to be able to do that. You know, selling it, it, that was hard. You know, there was lots of back and forth with the company that purchased it. You know, when they purchased it, they they actually ended up closing it down like three months later. That was very, very hard. I mean, it was like on my ego, it was a big hit, you know, nailed. You know, know that when you sell your company or sell something, like it's that person's, whatever they do with it. If they buy your brand new bike and wreck it the next day, Hmm. like, there's nothing you can do about that. So that was hard, but at the same time I learned, you know, I, I made some great money, I did some great good, and, you know, I learned, you know, next time I, I want to have a little bit more say. So the next mm-hmm. company that I built, I had a lot more say what happened with that company after because I knew what questions to ask. Got it. Was there anything during the actual process of, of selling the company, was there any kind of a lesson or something that came up that like a lot of entrepreneurs want to sell their company, but when they're actually building it, they don't always build it with the end goal of selling it in mind and then you get to the end yeah. and you realize there's something about your company that's just not sellable. Is there something that yeah. you learned going through the sales process that you were like, I wish I had thought of that when I was actually laying the foundation? Yeah, so I'll actually say why I sold the company. I sold the company because I had the wrong team involved in it. Mm. And I feel that company that company could have been 10 times bigger had I had the right team involved from the beginning. I had a CTO that was amazing. We built a great product. We sold it for tens of millions of dollars. But he was the wrong person for the job. Mm. And he wasn't... He, he didn't quite fit the description. And I just thought, hey, I'll find a technical co-founder. And I found the first one out there that would work with me and work not for free, but essentially for free. I found the first person out there and I found out, you know, six, seven, eight months into the product that, you know, he, he couldn't scale it past a certain point. He wasn't good past a certain point. Mm. So that was a big hard thing. And that was ultimately ended up hurting our company and the future direction. Wow. That's a good tip. So look, in the beginning, look for the team members who are going to be able to actually scale with you in the future to you know, eventually a, a potential sale. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. So another question here, switching ch- tracks a little bit. Um, you know, We kind of like to give a little bit of information that, that people can take away and actually go to use to, to grow their skills some more and grow their expertise. What's yeah. the number one book that you would recommend for entrepreneurs? And it's a tough question to just choose one, but what, what would you choose? 
Uh, number one book is one of my friends called John Hall. He has a book just recently came out a couple weeks ago called Top of Mind. Hence, it's at the top of my mind. It teaches people about real relationships and how to foster, grow, and always be at the top of mind of your customers. So it's something we've enabled. You know, I've known him for years and actually was a part of, you know, him bouncing ideas off. And, you know, he taught me a lot about, you know, really retaining the best customers out there Mm -hmm. and how to have the best relationships, you know, both a personal relationship with my wife and my family as well as business relationships, you know, how to always stay at the top of their mind. So Top of Mind by John Hall. Got it. Cool. And finally, what advice would you give to yourself? Let's say you're 22 years old, you just got out of school, uh, looking to become an entrepreneur. What advice would you give to your 22-year-old self? Take more risks. Hmm. Uh, Take a lot more risks. Um, You know, I'm a lot older now. I have a family. I have a wife, kids. You know, I, I can't take as many risks. I would have take a, taken a lot more risks. Um, I always tell people, um, take a big gamble on yourself. For example, myself, I'm a tech, techie guy, and I enjoy really tech-type things. I, uh, I would have moved to, like, where tech is. So I would have moved to, like, a Silicon Valley a lot quicker. If I was in the finance world, I would have, you know, I, I moved out to... Silicon Valley when I, when I was 27, uh, 26, 27, I would have moved out here when I was 18. Hmm. Um, you know, if I'm in the finance world, I would have moved to New York when I was 18, figured it out. Uh, if I was wanted to be an actor, I would have moved to Hollywood. I would have taken risks a lot earlier on myself. Interesting. That's good advice. John Rampton, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, guys. If you'd like to connect with John Rampton, you can go to his website at johnrampton.com. You can also connect with the do at do.com, and you can follow John at Twitter at John Rampton.